so this morning, though, I'm going to share the word with you, and I'm praying that everybody here is awake. You didn't have too big a night doing whatever it was you were doing. Uh, you didn't have too big a weekend. You're not too worried about Monday coming back. That You've turned up here today saying, today I'm going to open my heart, and I'm going to hear something great out of the Word of God for me. Is that your spirit? Great. I got about the first four rows uh, in the balcony. Is that your spirit today? Oh my goodness, they're well and truly excited up there. I know this, that the desire of every follower of Christ is not just to believe and not either even just to belong, but to become everything that Christ wants us to be. And so this month again, We've been focusing on beginnings like we did at the start of the year. I know this, that whatever it is you're starting. I married a young couple recently. We have celebrated the baby dedication of young Raymond, the child of James and Caroline this morning. Whether it's a marriage, a family, whether it's a business thing, whether it's something that you just feel like you're coming into a new season in your own life. Or maybe it is like has happened to me over the years where the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about deepening the level of my devotion or of my spiritual disciplines, reading the Word of God or prayer or whatever. I, I know so many times when I was a young Christian that I'd hear people speak about spending time in prayer. And so I would go out the front and I'd promise God that I'd pray for hours upon hours I listened to preaching about could you not tarry one hour? And so then I would go, God, I'm going to preach an hour every day if it kills me. And it felt like it did usually. After about the first five minutes and I'd prayed for everything in my brain that I could comprehend or think of. But nobody ever told me that it's actually the next stage. Beginnings are easy. Think about it. You go and you announce, as uh, someone did here recently, and say, guess what? My so-and-so, my wife is pregnant, and everybody celebrates. And the beginning of it is actually quite easy. We've had a baby boy, a baby girl. Wow, how brilliant is that? But the truth is that it's the next stage. It's the middle when feeling more tired if, you, if it's pregnancy, and the body expands. And that's just the husband, let alone the wife. When that happens, life in the middle can be the most challenging of stages. But nobody really prepared me for the fact that even when it came to prayer, you know, I can remember clearly going forward. I don't know why it was. They must have asked for people to go forward and promise God they'd spend time in prayer. I went forward in the church. I told God, I, w I remember kneeling down on the little stage that there was at the front, along with a whole lot of other people. I told God I'd pray for two hours. Well, I was so pumped. I was so excited about that. I remember the next day getting up and I'm going to pray for two hours. Well, nobody ever told me that the hard part was not the first five minutes. They didn't tell me that the hard part was the part in the middle. And I've discovered in life that no matter what it is that you begin, everything has got a middle. Whether it's a diet, an exercise program, 
a business or a spiritual devotion, there always is a middle. Let's go to Luke 8, just four verses. Luke 8 verse 22 says, Now it happened on a certain day that he, and that's Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Remember that. Jesus says, let's go. This is where we're going. And they launched out. But, everyone say but. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. They came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. He arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? Now they started with faith. They launched out, listen to it. They launched out in response to what Jesus said. That's faith. They didn't just decide to go on a pleasure cruise. They launched out in direct response to the command of Christ to them. Many of you here have begun something in life believing God called you to it. You started serving in an area, saying, I feel like that's the area that God wants to use me in. Or maybe it is that it's something more natural, but still as significant. Maybe it's your marriage or it's a family thing. Maybe you've started university or some training course or somewhere or other, and you've stepped out in direct response to an impulse or to a desire to begin but as you've done that, the, the storm begins to arise and Jesus comes back and says, where now is your faith? You started believing, where now is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Heavenly Father, help us today. You know that I've got no desire to preach a sermon. But God, you know that you put something in my heart to deliver to these great people that's going to inspire us and challenge us and stir us for our tomorrows, for what you want to do. So God, I pray this morning, let the anointing of the Holy Spirit flow through me and be on my words, be on everyone's ears to hear in the name of Jesus. We'll give you alone all the praise and the glory because you're the only one that deserves it. Amen. It was easy on the shore and the beginning of the journey was certainly easy as well. But now they're in the middle. And as I said earlier, everything you begin will have a middle. Rest assured that no matter whether it's something that's God ordained or not, sometimes we think that if God is in it, well, somehow or other the passage ought to be easier. But these disciples launch out in direct response to a word from God. And I want you to know a few things this morning about life in the middle. Tonight, by the way, I'm going to be speaking out of a different passage of Scripture, but I'm going to be speaking a part two of life in the middle. That's in the five o'clock service in the downstairs auditorium. But you and I need to know a couple of things. 
And I wish somebody had told me all these when I was but a a young man starting out with Christ. I just thought, you know that, because I'd given my life to Jesus and the only verse I knew was John 10.10, the thief comes not but for to kill and to rob and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So, of course, I assumed that life more abundantly meant I would win at everything that I would succeed at everything and that everything would go great, that all my prayers would be quickly and easily answered. Well, it never turned out to be quite like that. I discovered that I was a disciple too and that even if I stepped out in response, I remember leaving my job to go work for the church and uh, I left that. And when I left, as you do, I got a payout from the place of employment. Well, I was, I'd never had that much money in my entire life. I mean, I just thought, wow, look at all that. was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And it sat in my bank account. Well, I was on the staff one week. And the man uh, with the, uh, I boarded with his family. And one day he backed out of his driveway straight into the driver's door of my car. Guess how much it cost to get the driver's door fixed? Everything I had, you're right, right there. And I'm kind of going like, hello, what happened to that? I thought, Lord, if I tithed, you'd open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. But I want you to know this morning, difficulties in the middle are not a sign you're in the wrong place. Difficulties are not a sign. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now and say, it's not a sign from God. It's a sign you're in the middle. That's all it is. And sometimes we get in the middle and we start acting like and feeling like, well, God, obviously you're not with me. Or worse, we start wondering what happened to God. Why is God not there? And the reality is that difficulties are not a sign you're in the wrong place. They're in the will of God. Come on, somebody today in this building needs to hear the word of the Lord to you. And that is that where you are is not the wrong place. Where you are, you have not made a mistake. You did not hear God. You are in the right place, but you are encountering a storm while you're in the middle. Somebody here today needs to hear that. And I want you to take that and seize that. You've got to turn off the why button in your life and turn on the what now button in your life. The disciples didn't do all they could do, but at least they did one thing right. And that is they went and woke up Jesus. So I'm praying today that people in this place will wake up Jesus in their life. That though you're a Christian, you're a believer, you love the Lord, you've stood with your hands raised and you worship God. But now you start wondering, God, how come then this is here? Can I encourage you today? Can I urge you? Can I stir you to wake up Jesus and listen to His voice? He'll come to you and say, where is your faith? And you can realign your believing. You can change that around and start to say, God, I'm just in the middle That's all. They're in the will of God despite the storm. Here's the second thing. Difficulties are not a sign God is absent. I don't know about anybody else here, but I've wondered sometimes that God had forgotten my address. Did you forget my name? Was all my blessing going down? Because there's a a guy in Queensland called Jeff Woodward. 
He was the National Party candidate in the Mount Gravatt electorate. And I discovered that there was another one of me when I started seeing electoral signs all around Mansfield saying, vote for Jeff Woodward. I was going, yes. (laughs) Turns out though, he's not me. And I wondered sometimes if Jeff Woodward, the National Party guy, wasn't getting all the blessing. I'm tithing, he's getting it all. I'm praying and seeking God and all the healings and all the miracles. I imagine he's there. You know, I don't even know if he's a Christian. It's all coming his way. And he's going, well, well, look at this, man. Have I, is this my, whoa, whoa, man, I am. It's my lucky rabbit's foot. It's my four-leaf clover. And I'm over there going, no, that's mine. Anybody else ever felt like that? About three of you, yeah, and all the others as well. Difficulties are not a sign God is absent. He hasn't forgotten your address. Jesus is actually in their boat. And God's silence is not a sign of his unwillingness to hear. I'll put this up for you because I want you to get this this morning. Your prayers will never fall on deaf ears. Come on, I'm, I'm preaching this better than you're hearing it right now, but I want you to grab it. This morning, I want you to get this, write it down on a piece of paper, put it on your phone, and then attach an alarm to it to remind you on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday and Thursday, I put a daily alarm on it that every single day you'll be reminded, my prayers will never fall on deaf ears. It doesn't matter what they're about or what's going on, but it's impossible for God to be deaf. God will never be deaf to you. The Bible says his ears are always tuned to his children. So I know that God is listening for you. A pause in life is not a stop. You may be having a pause right now. You're in the middle. It doesn't mean it's a stop. Difficulties are not a sign. God's absent. They're not a sign you're in the wrong place. Here's the third thing we need to know is that miracles in the Bible happen in the middle, not on the shore. Imagine Jesus standing there, they're in the boat and it's parked up on the sand. And he looks out over the calm sea of Galilee. He says, peace, be still. Well, quite frankly, it wouldn't matter much because they can always rush up, up the road and get inside some kind of shelter. The truth is, that you don't need a miracle until you have a miracle-sized problem. But it depends which way you look, isn't it? You can either look at your problem and go, that's way so big. Or else you can say, well, I really need a miracle now. Up until now, I just thought it'd be nice if God did. Now, however, it's gone beyond, wouldn't it be nice, to now saying, God, I need a miracle. It was in the middle, in the storm, that Jesus' power and lordship got demonstrated. Now, I'm preaching this to you, and while I'm doing that, rolling through my brain are all the things right now as the senior pastor of this church that I go, God, I need an answer for that. Lord, I want that. God, we need that. Lord, could you organise that? Oh God, where's the person for that? And I've got those things rolling around in my own brain right now while I'm speaking to you. 
But I know that what I'm preaching to you today is for every single one of us. God is preparing your miracle for your middle, not for your shoreline. That's why some people never see miracles in their life is because they never, ever get out from the shore. Huh? Truth is, if you don't ever get away from the place of safety, if you're always hugging the shore, going, well, I don't know, it mightn't work, and so I'd better be careful, I'd better not try that. I remember the first time I ever laid hands in prayer on someone that was sick. You know, while the easy thing would be just to pray and walk away and just not ask, but you know, I've just got this thing where I'm just curious. So I remember asking, how is it now? Well, you know, that's stepping away from the shore. Because up until then, you know, I didn't know and ignorance sometimes is bliss. But I can remember time after time. And I've seen all kinds of responses. I've seen people instantly made well, instantly restored. I've seen other people where you pray a few times. I've seen others where it happened over weeks. This much I know. Miracles happen in the middle, not on the shore. And if you and I are willing to embark on new beginnings, come on, Metro, are we willing to embark on new beginnings or are we going to stay hugging the shore going, we're better not? What if we change? What if we do something different? What would that, what if it doesn't work? Well, I know this much. You don't discover miracles while you're building sandcastles. You discover miracles while you're out in the middle and storms can arise out there. A storm on the shore, well, it blows over a few things. But a storm in the middle can do something significant. Here's number four. The fourth thing we all need to know about life in the middle is this. There was one voice on the shore, but there were many voices in the middle. Think about that a minute. On the shore, the only voice that we are told about is the voice of Jesus. Let us go over to the other side. One voice. You get out in the middle and all of a sudden one voice has become many. Thomas is sitting down in the corner of the boat, sucking his thumb, curled up in a fetal position, saying, I knew this had happened. I knew we'd all die one day. Oh, they won't even be able to find our bodies out of here. You know, Peter's there, you know, arguing. James and John are having a fist fight. Uh, they're the sons of thunder. It's all happening. This much you need to know is that the first casualty in the middle is usually clarity. On the shore, it's so clear, it's unmistakable. Let us go over to the other side. And you know, we've been to the other, we've been to that sea. And I was surprised knowing this story. I was surprised, I remember a few of us talking about, well, really? Like, how could that even be? You can see across the Capernaum on the other side of the sea. Again, it's not that big. And I remember we asked one of the locals, and they said, oh, yeah, violent storms can whip up on this lake so much that you can't see the other side and that boats can be capsized and be in, in danger of being exterminated, extinguished in that place. But you know, when a storm arises, clarity is often the first casualty. 
In the storms of life, clarity can seem like a distant memory replaced by the voices of doubt and fear. And the only thing that you could see is the storm around about you. I'll never forget reading the story of uh, Jamie Buckingham, who was a Christian writer. And he wrote this, this little set piece at the back of a Christian magazine. And he talked about how when he was at college, at university, he went home to his father's house, which was in a part of the United States that got a heavy snowfall. And he went back to dad's house and dad said, son, I'm going into town and I'm going to get some, uh, some supplies, some going to the supermarket. Well, dad was gone. He gets up and he looks out the kitchen window and sees a massive dead tree right beside the wood pile. He thought to himself, well, I'm going to really do dad a big favor. I'm going to chop down the dead tree. I'm going to turn it into firewood. Won't he be thrilled? Well, anyway, he sets to work and gets the saw and the axe. He chops the entire tree down. He cuts it all up into firewood and then stacks it all. When his father comes home, he stands back, says, Dad, come and see what I've done. Well, Dad goes out there, but instead of Dad patting him on the back and saying, well done, Dad looks absolutely distraught. And he says, son, what have you done? And the son goes, Dad, I chopped down the dead tree. The father looked at him. This is the way he finished. He said, son, the tree wasn't dead. It was just dormant because of the winter. And then he ended with this line, never chop down your tree in winter. What a powerful thing it is. If you are in in the middle right now, and I'm going to pray with people in a minute that you say, I'm in the middle. I'm in a place where it's difficult. I'm in a place where the storms are coming and clarity starts to disappear. Can I urge you, never when you get into that place, decide in your heart, now's the time to make a rash life decision. Pause, make sure you at least get godly counsel. Now, can I just have a word here about godly counsel? There's no point getting godly counsel if you've already made up your mind to do something completely different. Amen. Sometimes people come to me, oh, pastor, what do you think I should do? And I tell them and then they go and do the complete opposite and I realize I am not your pastor. I'm just your preacher. Sharp and take a breath on that one. Oh. Don't, don't get godly advice and then just ditch it and go around and find somebody else until you get the one that'll agree with you. Amen? Come on. Are you all here this morning? I want you to get this because some of you here, your marriage is in the middle. And if you look up your, you know, the, I don't know what even those shows are, you know, you can make a rash decision, but don't chop your tree down in winter. Don't chop it down when you're in a difficult place. The disciples have given up on life. They finally wake Jesus. And when they wake Jesus, he deals with their storm. But I want you to notice this. He doesn't just deal with the storm. He deals with the internal storm in their heart. He says to them, where is your faith? I do not know of a more profound question that I've ever felt the Holy Spirit challenge me with than that one. 
And he's done it so many times in life where I've sat back and I've thought, God, you know, this is just looking like this and this is like this. And I, I remember sitting on my front uh, porch one time and, and I, out of nowhere, I heard a voice say to me, where is your faith? And I thought, oh, God. And oh, man, I just went, whoom. And I realized I'd put the car into reverse gear and I'm reversing everywhere. And I realized I needed to put it into forward gear and start believing God and start saying, God, you've got an answer for me. I can't see it right now. Why? Because the first casualty in the middle is usually clarity. The second casualty in the middle is usually courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the commitment to keep going forward regardless of circumstance, regardless of emotion in life. Be slow to make drastic decisions when you're in the middle. Are you going through a difficult time spiritually? That's not the time to make some massive, you know, kind of changes in your life. Well, I'm going to leave Perth and I'm going to go and get a job in the outer Baku where, where women are few and men of religion are, no, no, is it men of religion are scanty? Well, I don't know what it is. It's an old poem, but anyhow. You know, think about it. I've watched people make rash life decisions because they were in the middle and they'd lost clarity And usually after clarity, they lose courage to hold their course. Here's number five, last one here. Difficulties are not a sign you're in the wrong place. They're not a sign God's absent. That miracles happen in the middle, not in the shore. There's one voice on the shore, many in the middle. Here's number five. The word that got you started is the word that will take you to the end. All this began with let us go over to the other side. I want to declare to you today that God has never changed his mind about you. God has never changed his mind about your calling. God has never changed his mind about your blessing or your significance. God has never called you, saved you, brought you into a relationship with him. And then halfway along, he's decided, well, no, I don't really care about them anymore. If Listen, if God has never changed his mind, don't you change yours. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, last book of the Old Testament. It says, for I am the Lord, I change not. I brought this book in today. It sat on my bookshelf for a better part of, I don't know how long, nearly 40 years, I would guess. It's the story of Gypsy Smith. Gypsy Smith was called that because he was a gypsy. Back in Europe, in the days when, well, in some parts of Europe, they still are a despised people. Everyone looked down on, thought them that they were thieves and con artists. And literally, they would be driven out of one town until they'd finally settle on the outskirts of another. And this young man, Gypsy Smith, at the age of 16... He came to Christ. At the age of 16, he stood out on the steps of his gypsy caravan. He stood there with a Bible, a big family Bible, under one arm and a dictionary under the other because Gypsy Smith could neither read nor write. He'd never been to school. 
They never stayed long enough in one place for him to ever get that kind of basic education. But he stood out there on the steps and announced to the entire community, Bible in one arm, dictionary in the other, and he declared, I am going to preach the gospel to the entire world. Well, everybody laughed at him. Everybody looked at him and said, Gypsy, you can't even read or write. You can't even read the books you're holding. He looked them back and said, yes, but by the grace of God, I can learn. You see, he made a great declaration, but then came the middle. Can you imagine what it'd be like to open up your Bible and it just looks like hieroglyphics? Can you imagine what it would be like to have made the declaration the next morning you get up and open your Bible and God did not miraculously give you an academic mindset so you could read it? But you start puzzling, trying to make out words. Somehow or other, maybe somebody helped him. I don't know, but this young man, he definitely made a great start. But then came the middle where clarity, how am I going to learn to read? You know, by the time this man passed away, and this is a hundred and something years ago now that he started, by the time he'd finished, he'd preached the gospel in 47 nations of the world. In the days when you couldn't fly there, you had to go by ship. One young man who had a phenomenal dream, who said, I'm not just going to have a good start, regardless of what the middle looks like, I'm going to get out there And he saw his way through that and fulfilled his destiny. They say that tens of thousands of people came to Christ under this young man's ministry. He never went to seminary, never had a course in theology ever. He used to say, you know, I've never completed theology degree. You would not have accepted me in your institutions. But he said, I've learned uh, walking with God. And God used him in a mighty way. I don't know what your thing might be, what you've started. But now you're in the middle and you go, well, I don't know what to do next. If God never changed his mind about your beginning, why would you change yours? If God said, I love you and I'm saving you for a reason, why would you let the devil change your mind? Why would you listen to all the other voices? Well, you're too old. Well, you're too young. Well, you don't know enough. Well, you're too busy. Well, you know, you don't have any resources. Well, there's no one backing you. Why would you listen to all those voices? You know, it struck me when I was preparing this message that the wind and the waves could hear the voice of Jesus better than his own disciples could. Jesus could stand up and immediately wind and waves gave ear to his voice. And there was immediately a great calm. The disciples, they're just going like, what the? Where? I want to make sure that in my heart, I can still hear the voice of Jesus that got me started. Truth is, for me, most days, that's the only thing. I hear the voice that got me started. I hear the voice that says, come on, there's more yet. You've begun, you've begun well. I want you to go through the middle in Jesus' name. We're going to pray together. Just right where you are right now. Team are going to come. Thank you if you would. Let me just say this first. You can look this way. Please put up the yes text uh, slide for me, please. 
Because there'll be people here today, there always are. There'll be people here today and you go, Jeff, I don't really know if I'm a Christian. I kind of hope I am. Well, you know, isn't this a Christian country? Doesn't that make me a Christian? Well, not really. You know, I've been in lots of garages, but never made me a car. And I don't think being in the house of God makes you one of the people of God. I think you've got to get born into a family, don't you? You've got to get born into it or adopted into it. That's how you get to be a part of a family. And the Bible says that God wants you and His family. He's been looking for you. Jesus never died for a couple of people here and there that are special. The Bible says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It doesn't matter what your background, your upbringing, your nationality. You know, did you grow up in a Christian home? That is completely irrelevant. It may have formed your life, but it doesn't have to form your future. You can decide today, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to allow Jesus to be Lord of my life. I'm going to find the Saviour that I need. The one who will forgive me deep within of sin and cleanse me. You go, Jeff, what sin? That's so old-fashioned. Yeah, but the problem is, even if it's an old-fashioned term, it's a new-fashioned problem. Even if no one talks like it anymore, you pick up your daily paper and it's full of the harvest of sin inside of people's lives. And we've become so good at analysing the problem and so terrible about finding the answers. So we tell everybody they're victims. But we never say to them, but by the way, the only way out of victimhood is to forgive. We point out, the, I just finished reading a book all about DNA and behaviours. And, and the writer of this book says, you know what? As much as they've tried to find the naughty gene, they can't find it. And that's not a cup. But I, I just think they'll search forever trying to go, well, yeah, it's because of your mum, your dad, because your great granddad. No, it's not. It's because we're all human. And we're part of the human race and we need the Saviour called Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Reach out with you this morning. Say, Jesus, would you, would you save me? Come on, it's not that hard. I'll show you how to do it. You can simply text yes to that number, 488 826392. If you do that tomorrow morning or whenever you do it, the next day at 7 a.m., you'll get a, a, a text on your screen, just one, one screen of your smartphone. That'll have on there one scripture. You'll easily be able to understand it. And then a prayer that you can read and pray out loud. You can make that your prayer and then you'll get that every day for 30 days. The end of the 30 days, you can just be glad about that or you can sign up for the, just by texting yes. We'll never write and ask you for money. The only thing we've ever texted people before apart from that is to say, hey, this is a water baptism's coming up. You can do that. But it's a great beginning. It's a great beginning. But you know what? Just texting yes is, is such a powerful thing. Invite Jesus into your life today, would you? I, I want to pray just right now. People are watching. People are listening. People all around the world, around Australia, whatever, people in lots of different places. This is the prayer you could pray as you text your yes. Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me. Become real to me. Forgive me and walk with me for the rest of my life. Amen. You know, that prayer, as simple as that is, 
would open the door of your heart and Jesus will come in. I know that He'll do that. I, I know that I know while I'm speaking that there's people here in this place, you're going to say yes to Christ. And when you do, your life will be transformed. Not about church, not about a religion or an organization, but about a person called Jesus who wants to save you. And I want to congratulate you for doing that and saying yes. Text yes, go to the yes table. As I said before, on the right-hand side as you leave or the information counter, there'll be people there ready just to bless you and to help you and give you some resources that are free for you. This morning, though, as I finish, I do want to pray with people here that you're in the middle and maybe you've lost clarity. Maybe courage is ebbing away. Maybe right now you, you can barely remember the voice of Jesus. It's kind of like, oh, I know He said something. Uh, but Lord, right now I'm in a difficult place. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray that God is going to speak clearly into your life. That He's going to bring clarity and get rid of some of the clutter that's there in Jesus' name. Bow your head with me a moment. And if that's you, I want you to do something. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you, if that's you, to lift your hand up in the air and hold it up while I pray. Just saying, that's me today. I'm in the middle. Thank you. The hands are going up. Yeah, good on you. I'm looking around. No one else is. You can hold it up this morning. Thank you back there. I can see you. Up in the balcony. Yeah, I see you. Up, yep, 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 yep. People all over the place are holding their hands up. Up here, yep, on the stage, wherever you are, saying, God, would you bring clarity? I'm in the middle right now. The rest of us that haven't got our hands up, we're going to be all be praying with you as well. And saying, God, would you bring clarity? The first thing Jesus did was still the storm. Then he addressed the storm in them. He's going to do that for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every hand that's raised, every life that began, that stepped out. And now, God, they're in the place where they're going, did I make a mistake? Lord, I know that you will guide us and you will bring wisdom to our life. You said you would. That's got to mean guidance for us. So Holy Spirit, would you help these people right now in the name of Jesus? Would you turn down the volume, Lord, of fear and replace it with the voice of peace, the voice of Jesus? God, for people here that are feeling the pressure to have to come up with a quick decision. They're feeling like, well, I can't just, I've got to, you know, and they're considering some strong things. God, would you bring godly wisdom into their life in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's stand together and worship the Lord for a minute before we go. Let's stand and love God. Tonight, I'm going to bring the second half of that out of somebody else's life about what it means to be in the middle about some of the things that we can do when we're in that spot. So if you need a second dose of it, by all means, come tonight at five. God's good, amen. God's good in Jesus' name. You know, the whole time through this service, I've been so conscious of the Holy Spirit at work in this building, in people's hearts and lives. You know, I, you may not, you might just sit there and go, well, I'm just listening. But you know, while you're listening, the Holy Spirit is moving. And I know that there are people here in this place and God is touching you. And some of you are going to go out of here and you're going to to say, well, you know, it's, I don't know, it's like all of a sudden it made sense. I got clarity. 
Make sure you fill in one of our connect cards. Let us know so we can celebrate. These things are not just for my problems and my needs. These things for let's celebrate together in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's worship God together before we go and love Him today. In Jesus' name.